Good morning, good morning. 6.30, it's here, and you're here, so good job. Uh, we either had a ton of people register that aren't coming or a few people that hit snooze, right? So good for you guys for making it on time. My name is Connor Baxter. I have the privilege of being on staff here at Watermark. I work on the community team, so that means I jump in and out of community groups all the time, uh, constantly talking to leaders and other guys. And what's really fun for me is to be in the room with just a bunch of men. And guys I know that are leading, maybe not in the community vein, but in other ways. And you think about what's going on this morning is this really is, by and large, the leadership of our church, right? So God, his sovereignty, put the males in leadership of the home and in the church. And then we've got a Bible study for the men of our church and other people I know who aren't members. And it's just, it's just uh, humbling to get to come up here and be with y'all and hopefully encourage you just with God's word. So thank you for letting me come in and do this. Uh, let me pray and we will just jump right into it. God, just thank you for your kindness and your goodness that you would take uh, just a bunch of sinful, broken, rebellious guys and pluck them out and just show your kindness and grace to us in a way where um, all we could do is respond. And I thank you uh, just how we live in a country where we can get up and we can bring our Bibles and show up in a, in a place, in a building, uh, and have the freedom to go over this, and that wouldn't be taken lightly. And I do pray just for our time this morning that we would be moved by your word. And I pray ultimately that just, um, if anything, we leave here knowing your word better, wanting to live it and apply it. And that we just would be the men you want us to be so we can lead and love and serve in the way you want us to. Uh, so just be with us this morning, teach us, grow us, and we're excited to be here. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so as, as a young guy, right, you're coming into the room with 500 and something guys and signed up, and you're going, okay, how do I, how do, I do something that's going to help these guys kick off the morning at 6.30? It's early. Uh, what do you do to get a day like that started? So what I thought was, let me start with a question, uh, and, then I'll, and then I want to illustrate something. So what is the most powerful thing you've witnessed God do this week? Okay, and so I'm going to bring my friend up here, and I think I'll give you guys just a demonstration of what I'm going to say is going to be more powerful uh, of something God has done this week than what you've seen. All right, so I want you to be thinking through that as this is happening and thinking through what is the most powerful thing I've seen God do this week. This is DK. I've got to bring him. He's on staff because if something goes wrong, insurance and all that good stuff. So I, I, I'm guaranteeing you that what you're about to see is a more powerful act of God than you've seen this week. Okay, I know that's a big claim, uh, and I'm not trying to play the church thing. Like, I'm, I'm being serious. I really mean you're about to witness something of God's power that is more powerful than anything you've seen this week, all right? So uh, you don't have to record it. We may send it out later. Don't worry about that. It can happen later again, so we can run through it again. But I want you guys just to watch and pay close attention and see, because I want you leaving here and go, man, I saw the power of God that this morning when I woke up and showed up here at 6.30. All right, DK, you ready? I'm ready. Are you nervous? I'm not nervous. All right, good. <sighs> DK, I just want you to know, man, that you're sinful and you've been separated from God because of your sin. And, but God and his justice has to pour out his wrath and, and pay, uh, you, something has to pay the price for that sin. But because he loves you, man, he died for you and paid that price for you. And he wants to be in a relationship with you. And then believing in that and trusting in him, man, you can walk with him all your days, spend eternity with him and not have any condemnation for the rest of your life. Is that something you've ever heard or want to talk about? No, tell me more about it. There you go. So boom. All right, thanks, DK. That's perfect. So that right there, 
right? You're like, that, that, that was not that great. That was, what was that? That was not impressive. And so why do I start like that, right? I start like that because Paul, right after he gets through his introduction in Romans 1, gets right to the theme of the book, which hopefully I think you guys have memorized this week, Romans 1, 16 and 17. So after he gets through his introduction to his audience that he's never been to in a place he's never been, a church he wants to get to, he gets right into the theme of this book. And the key verse in uh, the whole entire book of Romans is verse 16, 17 out of the first chapter. And it starts with, for I'm unashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. And, and what's sad is in a lot of places, what just happened would have happened similar until they got to the stage and then something different would have happened, right? And if we're honest, uh, if you were thinking back past this last week, you know, what was coming to your mind when you were thinking about how have I seen the power of God, right? It's also a bonus to get here on time because when you show up at 6.30, you get to see the power of God, right? Whatever, what else does it? No, but I'm, I'm saying, I mean, that idea of the way Paul starts this is I'm unashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation. And I just think that's something that is lost on us. And this is something I want to spend most of our time around here in these verses. Also because, as we've learned, it is the theme and the key chapter, or the key verse for the rest of Romans. But when you think about the power of God for salvation, every week we've got the watermark news. Okay, I got mine autographed this week because I was like, this is amazing. I got to go up to her and talk to her. But if you haven't read this, I mean, this, this is the power of God. If you haven't read this story, I'll give you the recap. Alana is my friend uh, who's a fellow on staff and serves in our recovery ministry. Her story is somebody who was addicted to cocaine, who or was addicted to drugs, and continued to do drugs, continued to do drugs, got in trouble, went to jail, got out, was on probation, continued to do drugs, failed drug tests. In the midst of all that, got pregnant, decided to have an abortion, was high on her way to the clinic, high on the way back. And just eventually the power of God showed up in her life in such a way now when you fast forward, she leads in our recovery ministry. So I don't know what you think about when you think about the power of God or man, how have I seen that displayed or manifested? What we ought to be thinking about is how the gospel has become clear to people and it's changed their lives. It is the power of God. He's, he's connected his power with us broken people through words and conversations like what you just saw in simple 30 seconds and changes the history of an individual. And if that is not what we're, especially as the men thinking about and chasing after and living and demonstrating and being able to say, follow me as I follow Christ, live as the example I set. That is something we're missing. Uh, the, the last piece I would say on that, John 14, right, before we keep talking more about this key verse, Christ talks about you will, those who believe in me will do the works that I do and greater works than these you will do. And that idea, especially here, I mean, we are spoiled and rich in stories of life change all over us, right? How did we in the room get in the room, right? Because this power of God happened in our life. And how are we continuing to stay in the room or in the faith because he continues to walk with us, right? And so this idea of Christ saying, you are gonna do the works I do, greater works than these. And you look across the room, there wasn't many settings Christ was in where it was this many men that he was talking to. He did have big crowds and larger crowds at times. But just, I mean, what we're experiencing in the room today is crazy to think about. And it is a testimony to the power of God for salvation. 
he goes on in this verse to talk about for in it, in what the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. This is something we've got to understand what these means. We've got to talk definitions. We've got to be able to articulate what Paul's talking about here. So the first thing he starts with is for in it, in verse 17, in what, in the gospel, in nowhere else, nothing else, no other man, no other religion, no other story is where the righteousness of God is revealed. What is he talking about when he's talking about the righteousness of God? The easiest and best way to just understand that is a right relationship with God. What Paul's talking about is I was an enemy of God, now I'm a friend of God. I was declared guilty by God, now I'm declared not guilty by God. I was condemned and now I'm set free. I'm now, I'm in a right relationship with God. I rightly relate myself to God. And how do I do that? What is the means by which I'm now into that right relationship? And he says it's revealed from what? From faith. So that which brings us into that right relationship is that trust in what God has done for us. In trust in the gospel, believing in the gospel. And it's not just for that or uh, from faith, but it's for faith. This is the idea of this is what keeps us in the faith. This is what keeps us going on. This is what drove you guys to show up at 630 in the morning and listen to some guy get on stage and then break out into groups and talk about the Bible. Why is that? That's because the power of God has showed up in your life in such a way where those of us who have trusted in that, right, are, are propelling us and compelling us to do the things of which God's called us to do. That's a crazy idea. You look at Paul. Paul's a guy we know wrote uh, plenty of books of our New Testament. And you look at his life and you trace, you know, what books he was writing when, he never moved away from this idea of the gospel. And uh, even, even I can tell in the room, I'm up here and I'm talking about the gospel and sharing it. And it's kind of like, we get that, we get that, we get that. And if we just blow past this thing, man, we're missing it. I mean, we're missing it. And, and Paul, I mean, you look at 1 Timothy even, which is on, on his tail end of his ministry and as he's sharing the gospel and traveling everywhere. I mean, he starts that thing with his testimony, just saying, man, I, I, I am a sinner. I was the worst of sinners. And the power of God showed up in my life a couple years ago, a long time ago, a decade ago, and it still is what compels me and drives me. His testimony, his personal testimony was never lost on him. Right? And hopefully it's not been lost on us. The story of our testimonies, of our story, the power of God shows up. And so this idea from faith, forth faith, it continues. This is something you guys will circle back to later in Romans when you get a few chapters in. And Paul is just going to, again, remind himself of this gospel. And so um, as, we, as we think about the gospel and what it does for us, and the, we look at Paul, who's writing this book, who has the key theme, and we think about the righteousness of God. That is the theme of the book, the, which is to say the gospel. Uh, wouldn't it be crazy? Wouldn't it be crazy if Paul was ashamed of the gospel? Right? And you guys know this verse. You haven't memorized. He starts with, for I am unashamed. But you've got to wonder why he starts with that phrase at the beginning of verse 16. And just the reality is, the reality is because it's probably easily for him to be ashamed of the gospel. And you're like, man, I don't know. That guy took beatings. That guy took uh, imprisonment. He obviously lost his life at the end of this thing. He was always on the move. He was on the go. He was always sharing. I mean, it didn't seem like Paul was very ashamed. But I think he wrestled with the same thing that we wrestle with, 
that awkwardness or leaning into the gospel is the fact that he has to say, I'm unashamed. I think he's reminding himself there. But the craziest thing he could have done, understanding the power of God, knowing that story in his own life, hearing Watermark Newses or Paul News every day when he's sharing the gospel and walking around, that would have been the craziest thing for him to be ashamed of, right? It would have been crazier for him not to share it. And that's, that's the responsibility of us in the room, especially the men, us at Watermark. What is our role with this power of God, with this salvation that's come through the gospel? You know, it would be crazy not for us to share it. And uh, sometimes this is a drum that you feel like is, is beat a ton from the front of share the gospel, share the gospel. Uh, but it, it's almost sad that that's got to be the drum we beat, right? I, I think about... Uh, that if you truly understand the gospel, it shouldn't have to be told to you to share it, right? That should be the innate responsibility that comes with it. If I've got the story of God reconciling himself to me, and it's changed the course of my life, I'm, I'm not a guy who sleeps on my wife or cheats around or flirts with the girl at the office or the guy who overworks or sleeps in because the power of God and for salvation showed up in my life and he's continued to see me through my whole days. Right, And now I don't, just as I don't think about that, now I'm not sharing that. Right, that, that, would be, that is just crazy to think about. Yet that's something we've constantly got to remind ourselves of, isn't it? Man, I've got to remind myself and preach to myself the gospel. I, I think one of the main reasons why we don't, and I'm, I'm personally why I don't, yes, there's the awkwardness. Yes, there's that, man, I've got a lot to do. Uh, yes, there's the, the million things pulling at me. But it's really because I don't honestly wake up in the mornings and remind myself of God's power in my life. I don't start with the way Paul starts a lot of his letters, just reminding myself of the gospel. Before I get into actions, I don't start with my belief. I, I think about my behavior all the time, but am I contemplating, man, what, what am I even saying when I'm saying I'm a Christian? When I'm talking about the book of Romans, right? What, what is this idea of God's power in my life? He took me a sinful, broken, anger, self-serving, chase whatever I want, whatever, whenever I want it guy to somebody who's trying to the best of his ability to love God, serve people, put them first, build up the church, encourage guys, receive admonishment. What happened? Man, God reconciled me to himself. And now I can't help but to share it with other guys. Right? I think about, uh, I was thinking about this morning, this Mizzen Main shirt. I think that's the way you say it. Like, it's kind of the rave right now. Some other guys are like, hey, you've got to get one of these shirts, man. It's awesome. They're so comfortable. You're going to love it. Blah, 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 blah. And you just think about how easy it is to share a product you love. And, and for us in America, uh, share a product that's comfortable. And I just, I'm like, man, we, we would do that quicker and with more ease than we do the gospel of Christ. And so think back, it just the idea of this, this story, this gospel, not being ashamed of it, and sharing it constantly. More than I will talk about, hey, you've got to watch this Netflix show. You've got to catch the game from last night. You, did you see what happened in the Olympics? Right? All these other things that we're just distracted with. I think if Paul showed up in the room, I think he would grab some of us and look us in the eyes, and he would just say, hey, you're distracted, or you're lazy, or your priorities are off. And, you know, I, there's guys over here getting beaten and getting killed, and you've got employees, coworkers, waitresses, people when you're at the gas station, walking down the, the uh, grocery store, 
all the time and nothing's gonna happen to you if you share the gospel, but you, the, the gospel's been lost on you. What makes a weak church is people who don't understand Romans, this key theme, and are ashamed of the gospel. That makes a weak church. What makes a weaker church is a group of men who will show up at 6.30 in the morning, study God's word, talk about the gospel, memorize Romans 1, 16, 17, and then nothing changes that next week. That will make a dead church, and that will kill our church. We have the core of our leadership in the room. I mean, this is our men's Bible study, right? Men are our leaders in our body. And, and if we come here and delude ourselves by studying and nothing changes, man, we are, we are a dead church. And I don't believe that about us in the room, but I will leave you with this charge before we finish this chapter. I, I think, and this is a low bar, one thing all of us gotta be doing is sharing the gospel weekly. I'm talking once a week, 10 minutes out of the 168 hours that week, we should be sharing the gospel one time. I'm just saying one time with a non-believer from somebody who's far from Christ. And could you imagine what would happen, the ripple effect across Dallas this week? The power of God that would show up in our city if us 500 and something men across our campuses said, you know what, this week, I am gonna commit to sharing the gospel with somebody that's far from Christ. And on top of that, I'm gonna make that my weekly goal. When I get into my community group, we're gonna be committed to talking about this. We're gonna bring stories that you hear in Acts to our group all the time. I wanna be a part of one of the Watermark News. Somebody I shared with or somebody that I shared with who became a believer that shared with somebody, they became a believer and then they shared with somebody who ended up in the Watermark News. That's how it happens. But I'm just saying, think about what will happen if the men of this room change the game and get in the game. Because frankly, you guys in your own circles and community groups and families and people, uh, roommates, the single guys, I mean, you, you take this and you lead this, you preach this, you be the guy that leads the charge. Five of you, or one of you affects five guys, that's 2,500 people. I mean, that would change a city. In between Christmas and Easter, something happened in Dallas. And what happened was a group of men decided to take Romans 1, 16 and 17 seriously. A group of men decided Paul's story wasn't unique to Paul, but expected of every believer. That would change this city. This, would, this body would be on fire. And I think we're tracking that way, but I, I wanna leave with that charge. All right, and what I wanna do uh, is, is run through the rest of Romans. We'll transition here so we make sure we get all the verses and not just those two. But real quick, before we run through 18 through 32, let me just remind you what Paul's doing over these next few chapters and set the stage. And I know you guys got the best overview you could have gotten last week by Blake. But if you're thinking about what's gonna happen over the next couple of chapters, it'll help you understand what Paul's about to do for the rest of Romans 1. He's setting up the stage of everybody is sinful, right? He's about like a lawyer that makes an uh, accusation. He's about to build his case towards that. Romans 3.23 is where he's driving this conversation, right? For all of sin and falling short of the glory of God. He's about to drive that point home hard for three chapters, all right, so he finishes up 16, 17, and he's gonna launch into this argument that's gonna build on itself as he drives the narrative forward in Romans. And what he's gonna do is he's gonna put three guys on the stand in order to represent all of humanity. He's trying to, he's making the case, the, uh, the claim that every man who's ever lived, every man or woman, all of humanity in past and to come is sinful and rightly condemned by God. And, and he's making that point. And the reason he's doing that, he's not just saying, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're a sinner. He's doing that because he's trying to create inside of them the need they have for the gospel. 
And frankly, what he's about to do in the rest of chapter one is something, if you're going to be sharing the gospel in Dallas, Texas, you've got to be aware of, and especially in the rest of America. Because the first person he's going to address is that pagan Gentile. And the way you want to think about that is just that guy who's unchurched, never been, about ch never been to church, never been around church, doesn't think there's a God. That's who he's about to address. address. And he's going to tell them why, hey, what makes you stand rightly condemned before God and why do you need the gospel? And so how he does that, if you look up here, and the question a lot of guys ask is, what happens to those who have never heard? Okay, you answer that question. That's one of the things that comes out of Romans 1 you can go to to turn to, to rightfully answer that question. So if you just look at the way Paul talks about things in Romans 1, and we'll finish this way. He just says, uh, he's talking about, again, these unchurched, non-religious, I don't know God people. All right, and he says, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Who, uh, what can be known about God is plain to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and his divine nature have clearly been perceived. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God. And they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man. Though they knew God, they didn't give him honor or praise uh, or, or they knew his righteous decrees. And this idea Paul's coming out of in Romans 1, he's going hard to, is that there's no excuse and ignorance isn't an answer. There is no such thing as ignorance. All people, all creation know that there's a creator. The problem isn't that they don't have the right information. The problem is they choose, despite what they know, to go their own way. Okay, that's, that's the argument of Romans 1. That's, that's what's true of all of us, man. Until God's power and his kindness showed up in our life and he pulled us out of the choices we wanted. Okay, so as you're sharing the gospel, this out of the last couple of times I've shared the gospel, 20% of the time, my, the response I get, I'll ask, hey, do you have a faith? No, I don't believe there's a God. That, that's the response I get. What do you do with that? You ask about creation, man. That's, a, that's how you want to start. All right, well, tell me about how creation came about. How do you think that happened? What do you think that points to? Do you think it, you know, and then you got evolution and you know that argument. But that, that, that is the leading argument against a creation idea is evolution. And they're just going to say, man, I don't, I don't know. I'm like, man, I wish I had as much faith as you to believe in nothing plus uh, time equals everything. And you just go into that conversation. But here's where you want to go. You want to know, and this is why studying Romans, man, if we get Romans, you'll be able to answer 99% of the questions you probably ever get in the faith. And one of the biggest ones that trips guys up is what about those who don't believe? And the sad, the, the reality, the, just the true reality is Man, people know. The argument scripture makes is people know God. They just choose to suppress it, to trade that truth for something else. And, and what this leaves us with should be this charge to share the gospel. Because what doesn't happen is uh, people go to hell out of, or go to heaven out of ignorance. They didn't know, so now they get to get into heaven. If that were to be true, our goal should be let's not tell anybody. And the less people that know will be the more people that go to heaven. What we do know to be true is that God wants us and we are the means by which God is gonna bring, manifest his power to this world is through conversations we have. And they're kind of awkward like that most of the time. Okay, but the power of God shows up. Alana's stories happen. Your story, our stories, those in the seats, right? What happened? Somebody shared the gospel with us and then the power of God changed our lives. 
And so the gospel is the power of God. And that only shows up when his people, and in our context today, his men get after it and sharing it and live as if it's true in the most important part of our lives. So let me close this in prayer. Father, just, uh, man, I'll, I'll be the first to confess. I know I miss opportunities. I know two of the last five times I missed opportunities. And uh, I thank you for the way that you just show us grace, even when we miss our opportunities to share the gospel, even when we get sidetracked with work or being late to a meeting or wanting to sleep in a little more or just enjoy this meal with my wife one more time and um, without getting interrupted. I mean, I just, I can come up with any excuse I can find and thank you for the way you show me grace uh, and thank you for the way that somebody took the time to share your truth with me. And I thank you for the way that your power is undeniable and changed lives. So you, yes, God, you show it through your creation. And yes, you show it when you make new creations out of people. And I pray we would be uh, hungry to see the power of God show up in our lives and have stories and dive in with the adventure of the faith of walking with you and getting to be the broken vessels you choose to use. So I pray we would be humble men uh, that love other people by sharing them the truth of the gospel. And we would be unashamed and we would be bold. I pray you would use just this summit Bible study in these men to change our city, to change their workplaces, to change our body, change their families. Uh, just would you use us, God? I pray just for the time as they break out and they leave here and go to their groups, that they would be able to encourage one another and spur each other on. And we don't want to beat each other up because we've missed opportunities and not shared the gospel. But God, we would leave here compelled by the story you've given us and the power you've shown up in our lives to love other people. So be with us now. It's in your name we pray. Amen.